Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Thank you to the new listeners. If this is the first time you're joining, welcome. And a welcome always to the continuous listeners and subscribers that have been supporting this show for years and tuning in. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I also want to extend a thank you to those that are supporters of the show through Patreon. This podcast is a free resource to listeners, but to create it is not. So by becoming a patron, you've really helped to support the production of this show, and I absolutely appreciate it. If you aren't a patron, but you're interested in becoming one, just go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. I also have the link in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out. And I understand if Patreon is not for you, you can always help the show and support it by leaving a review on iTunes or the podcast player that you're listening to. You can rate and review the show. If you're doing it through iTunes, then just scroll down to the rate and review bar or function and just click on that to rate the show and to leave a review. What a time this has been, and there has been a flurry of activity. You know, due to COVID, I haven't been able to attend any of the conferences that I usually like to attend in person. I haven't really had a chance to do any in-person speaking, and I definitely miss that. I haven't, you know, by not going to the conferences, I have not had the chance to connect with others, and many times as a chance I get to meet some of you in person and to spend some time with you or just to increase my or build my community. And it's something that's important to me, and I absolutely miss it. But the one thing I've been able to do is to do a few more virtual conferences and summits. Uh, There's been a few that have been completed. You know, there's one that is very recent. It's the Happy and Healthy Kids Summit. Uh, When this airs, you can probably still go go to the link, hopefully to sign up, uh, but definitely check that one out. I've also was part of the Homeschooling Global Summit, which they now, the summit is over, but they have uploaded all of the videos on YouTube. So you can find that at the Homeschooling Global Summit 2020. And with the flurry of activity, especially in this last year, the the podcast has been increasing exponentially, and I want to thank you so much, as well as the questions and messages and inquiries. And I always try my best to get back to everyone individually as best as I can. Uh, Because there's been quite a bit, I'm just a bit slow going on that. So if you're waiting for a response, I will get back to you. I just need a little bit more time. My family's been helping me with that a little bit. And over the years, one thing that I just quietly do in the background as well is support families and parents through one-to-one coaching. And I know with so many more requests, and I know we can all do with some help now and then, and as much as the podcast offers many resources to parents, I still have many that reach out and let me know that they would like a little bit more personal encouragement or guidance and support in getting set up or kind of overcoming overcoming some roadblocks, building on strengths in their families families, helping them to create a bit of a a supportive map and guideline for their homeschooling environment. Uh, So what I am doing is I'm opening up a bit more time for one-to-one coaching. So if you are interested in working with me and getting some guidance uh, through working with me, you can email me. Go to my email, robin, R-O-B-Y-N, at imhomeschooling.com. And in the subject, just put coaching in the subject. So that's flagged and I know exactly what it's about. 
or you can go to my contact page and just put coaching in the subject there when you send that form and form email, put coaching in the subject. So today you have just me on the podcast. Usually I do an interview style with someone else, but there are times when I feel questions are best addressed when I can just sit down and create an episode around those questions. And that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, So, you know, there's been a few questions that have come up that I find that there's a bit of overlap on. So I thought I'd dedicate this episode to answering them. And I think what it will also do is maybe answer a few other questions that um, are are similar or have some overlapping themes. What I want to talk about in this episode is what to do when um, there's overwhelm. Maybe you've gotten started, but things just have seemed to pile up and you feel like you're a little bit stuck. Or maybe you're just starting or looking to start, but with all of the influx of information and the concerns that are going on, you're overwhelmed on where, how to begin this homeschooling journey or unschooling journey. Uh, I also will talk a little bit about when you are building a homeschooling environment around child-led learning or self-directed learning, supporting your child's interests and passions, how to do this. I know the comment has been because we are unschoolers, we don't follow a curriculum, uh, really we you know, support our kids' interests and passions. How do we do this? How do we find the resources? How do we match the resources? How do we support them and still know that they're learning, that they're still thriving in that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, some ways that we can find resources, um, some options and ideas as well. And I'll talk a little bit about when we find these resources, what are ways that we can understand that they're learning? I've had a few questions on tests and assessments, if it's necessary, if we do it, how to introduce it, um, or if we should do it at all. What are other ways of um, understanding learning that we can use? And so I will briefly cover that too. And so let's begin. So the other day I saw the title of this video and the title was, is the homeschooling honeymoon over? And I thought, you know, that title really caught my eye. It really caught my interest. And it was actually a video that was um, created by a homeschooling mentor. And it wasn't a negative video at all. She was just addressing some questions that some of uh, some of her parents, some of the homeschooling parents had been asking her because they'd kind of come to a bit of a, a bump in the road. Homeschooling had been going great. And now two months in or a couple months in, uh, they're, you know, Things aren't, maybe aren't as steady. There's a few questions and doubts that are coming up. But I get it. And I, and I want to say that this actually is normal. This happens to everybody. There is times where, you know, there's bumps on the road. Things are going really, really smoothly. And then they kind of dip. And you wonder, gee, am I in a bit of a rut? What should I do? And then you, you come out of it. And then you have a peak and you have a valley. For those who have been homeschooling for a while, I think that's a normal part of the course, actually. But I think it definitely touches on some of our fears as a parent. Because, you know, when you start homeschooling and you're new, 
you're new to homeschooling, usually there's a general rush of excitement that happens. You know, it's kind of like forging this new frontier. You're you're doing something that is very different from the usual path you've been on. Um, you know, if your kids are really on board with you, the family is really on board, everyone can be part of the excitement. And I think everyone starts you know, they have a lot of their own ideas of what they want to see and what's happening. And the excitement just really overrides everything, the nervousness or maybe some of the anxiety, but really it's the general excitement that overrides everything. And that goes on and you start and it's great and it's fun. It's something new. But then over time, you might see a little bit of you know, the excitement or enthusiasm wane a little bit. Maybe everyone is not as excited to get up as early in the morning anymore or just to get out of bed the times that you want them to. Maybe you're just having a bit of a struggle getting up and facing the day. Possibly, I don't know, there's been a bit of conflict in the days and that's getting harder to get the work done. Uh, maybe you have a curriculum that you, as you receive it and get through it, it's like, wow, this is a lot of work. This is more than I expected. Or maybe it just sucks. I don't know, like, or maybe it doesn't suit the needs. And here you've spent all this money on a curriculum that's not meeting your needs and your dream of homeschool. Or maybe there's other obstacles, especially now in this environment with so many varying factors in our outside environment or community, and then so many changes within the home. Sometimes, you know, parents are feeling overwhelmed or a bit burnt out. There's a conflict sometimes in ideas and how we're approaching things, uh, conflict maybe with our kids and what we want to do. So using the analogy of the honeymoon fizzling, I, I definitely understand that. So... What now? First, I do want to say this, that this journey is not a straight line. There are dips and bumps, climbs and peaks for everyone. And in each home, it is going to, going to look different. What the dips and valleys and peaks and bumps that I face or my family may face is not going to look the same in your home or in any other homes that are unschooling or, or homeschooling. So what I want to talk about is actually how do we manage that? How do we work through that process? But I also want to point out that I'm also speaking to those that are looking to just getting started and they just want to know where to have that foothold. Where should they begin? And maybe you're just also feeling overwhelmed at the idea of starting or maybe you're homeschooling and you're feeling overwhelmed at the idea of trying to move to unschooling if that's what you want to do. So many of these examples apply to all of this. I think what I'm doing today is we're actually kind of creating a map. And what I'm doing is I'm helping you to create this outline of a map. But because each family is unique, each community that you're in is unique, the place you live is unique, the language you use is unique, your circumstances and experiences are unique, your personalities, I am a firm believer that this home learning experience, home educating, unschooling experience, whatever you feel calls to you, it's going to be unique and different for every family. It won't be the same. So a one to 10 checklist where you can go through from one, two, three, four, five, and on and check it off and then get the exact same result as everyone else doing the checklist. It doesn't always work out that way. My suggestion is I'm going to help you give a little bit of an outline on your map for this journey, but I'm going to support you as well in filling in those details and those details on that map, that legend, those landmarks, those points are really yours and how you get there are really yours. It's really about 
taking that and making it your own. And I also want to point out that let's first recognize that this map is not going to look like the one at school. And you may want it at first to look like the one at school, but you know, maybe that's because you've used, that's the map you've used to find your way and travel before. That's the same one that many of us that have been to school and been schooled all our life have. And because it's one we've always used, it feels like we're traveling safely using that map because we see the familiar landmarks or the familiar roads that have been traveled. But this is your map. This is your family's map. You can make it your own. This is your travel journey. You're not on the big tour bus. You don't have to take the same route. You don't have to travel even in the same way or using the same vehicle. You can make pit stops when you want to. You can explore when you want or need to. So that's what we're creating. And to you know make it a little bit clearer, I really find that homeschooling, unschooling, this journey is like taking a road trip. And this road trip analogy, I want to say, is not mine. It's actually from one of my teachers. There's a community course that I've been in and, you know, the creators of this, I want to give a shout out to the Rural Mental Health Association in Alberta because I've been learning a lot through them. And the way they structured and created this outline for all of those of us that have been taking this learning, this community learning with them, um, was really clear. And when they laid it out, I thought immediately, wow, this is exactly unschooling. To me, it laid it out perfectly. This is homeschooling. And I've asked if I can use some of these ideas uh, here. And, you know, I have to tweak it a bit to make it to make it applicable, but I'm going to lay it out and I think you will see the analogy and that's how we're going to go along on this journey today. So I totally welcome you to go on this journey. So the way I see it is homeschooling or unschooling, it applies to whichever form, Charlotte Mason, classical, I feel it applies to it all, is like taking a road trip and your family has decided to take this journey, this road trip. And everyone is pretty excited to go on this road trip together. The start of the road trip is when you all decide to go on this trip together. Maybe some are more on board than others. Maybe it's mom and dad that are more of the drivers of this road trip and it's getting your kids to be excited about going along too. But everyone agrees to go on this road trip together. Now this road trip is a family road trip. And this family road trip is somewhere that your family has chosen to go. And really the time that you go on it is up to your family. The way that you want to travel on this road trip is up to you. Maybe you want to take your minivan or maybe the minivan doesn't work and you want to take your car or your truck or however you choose to travel. Maybe you're pulling a boat behind you. I don't know, maybe you're taking your camper van. The road trip is really up to how you want to create it. The thing with this road trip is everyone's on this road trip together. And as you're planning for this road trip, everyone might need different things. And the way that you look at it, I know for me in our unschooling journey, I look at it like, okay, each of us, you know, it's a reminder that when we go on this, let's each take what we need or want for this road trip. So maybe in our vehicle while we're driving, I might want to have certain things with me that I'm going to do and entertain myself or occupy or challenge myself 
that is going to look different from my husband and my kids. And each of my kids might want something as well along on the journey that's unique to them. They might want a bit of comfort, some pillows, some music, some books. It depends, some computer games. Each of them is, everyone is bringing their own, their own pieces to this road trip. So once we're all ready, we're also going to need some food and some water, some other basic needs and sustenance. We get on this road trip and maybe this road trip, we have a destination that we're going to, or maybe it's just a road trip where we're traveling. It depends on what we're doing. And as we go on this road trip, we're traveling together. And this road trip, there's different things that happen along the way. Maybe as we're going, we realize that pretty soon we need to stop and take some bathroom breaks a lot sooner than we had planned. Or maybe we have a set plan set out for the first week of this road trip or the first month of this road trip, depending how long we are. And then after that, it's going to be really letting a complete freedom and flexibility. Or maybe there's a certain time that we feel that we need to return and we're going to really follow that, maybe loosely, but still keep that on mind on our road trip. And as we're going on our road trip, we remember that there might be some times where we want to take a pit stop. And although there might be a spot that's well recommended by others in this travel book, we see it as a place that's might be too busy, or maybe we see a, a point further down the road that's actually more interesting to us and we want to stop there. And that's where we stop. We want to explore and we take some time to spend there that really meets the needs of our families before we get going again. Or maybe we see that, oh, we've had, you know, some snacks, but we need some nourishment. We definitely need some good food along this road trip as well. And then eventually, even a little bit farther down the journey, it's possible that our vehicle breaks down. And we need to stop and make repairs. We need to service the vehicle. Our family needs to make a bit of repairs before we're safe to go and continue along on our journey on this road trip again. The beauty of this road trip as well is it's we make it our own. We can stop for as long as we want to. We can even maybe go back a little bit if we need to. But the thing is, is on this journey, we also always come back home. And that home where we live, our home is different for everybody. But the beauty of it is, as well is that we can continue on another road trip. We can begin another journey. This doesn't have to be the only road trip. We can start again, maybe even very soon. We can go to a different place on the road trip. It's a continuous road trip as well. And each journey that we take, each road trip that we take is going to look different. Every year we are going to grow and develop. Our children are growing. They're changing as well. And so maybe maybe in our early road trip that we started on, we took our little smart car, but we've decided that we need a bit more room because our kids have grown bigger and we need a bit more space. Or maybe we want to conserve more fuel or energy. So the last road trip, we, we lugged a boat behind the vehicle. But this time, we're going to pack light. We're just going to be a little bit more simple and minimal. We're meeting the needs of, of our present moment as well. So I really like and I, I like this analogy of the road trip. To me, it's pretty clear that it's a great analogy for home educating or home learning, unschooling especially as well. You know, we go on this journey together as a family. Sometimes all of us are completely on board. Sometimes others, it almost seems like it needs to take a little bit of convincing. But we all prepare in our own way 
and we leave on this journey together in the vehicle of our choosing that best suits us. It's going to look different for each of us. And as we travel, there's going to be different needs unique to our family along the way. Our bathroom breaks and pit stops will not always be the same. They won't look the same as the other family. Maybe the neighbors are going on a road trip as well. We might have different turnoffs and turns that we take. We may want to spend a little bit more time in a certain place that we either love or enjoy or that we just need to. Sometimes our, you know, in our learning, sometimes there may be a space that we absolutely find and discover and we're really interested in and we want to learn more about it. We want to spend more time on it. Or maybe, and we have the space and time to do so, or maybe it, it's, there's a bit of a breakdown and we really need to stop and make some repairs. Maybe there's a breakdown in a relationship at home, in our in our homeschooling or unschooling, and we need to just actually stop everything to to repair and get things back up and running. Because before we, you know, if you're looking at homeschooling and learning in any other way, those relationship, those personal strengths and repairs need to happen before we continue that learning for that learning journey, for that road trip to continue for us to keep on that path and to keep going. There's so many parts of this road trip that yes, absolutely. We can maybe look, the process can be a bit similar to others, but really it's still our own. So that's how I'm going to be talking about homeschooling or home educating unschooling today is through that through that road trip, through that process. So there are some times on this journey that maybe traveling with the family has become too much. Maybe we've become a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe we've kind of lost the way. We've taken a turn and we're at a dead end. We don't know where to go. Or we we see that, oh, you know what, we're on the wrong the wrong road for the direction that we're going. So I think I want to suggest that actually one good thing to do is to go back to the starting point. We might have to turn around and go back to maybe where we had first turned off and gotten lost. And just, you know, just like on a road trip, sometimes for our home education journey, if we feel a little bit lost, it's really good to be, to go back to our why, the beginning of laying our foundation. You know, you can ask, why are you choosing or looking at this path? Or why did you? What is it about this choice that you've made that's important to you? So exploring and understanding your why helps you set your foundation. And what it does, is it gives a clear purpose and path to your what, how, and when. It really helps you to build your roadmap for this road trip to understand better where you're going. So understanding your why helps you in those decisions that you're going to make. When you really know where you're coming from, those decisions that you make, whether it's about whether it's something like if you want to use a curriculum, how you're setting up your home environment, your learning styles, how you want to see the year, it really helps you going forward to understand that why. So for example, if your why is based around building a better relationship with your family through quality time, and honest communication and maybe slowing down, then your what and how will absolutely reflect that. So maybe your homeschool environment then will be based around a softer schedule with more time to tell stories, a lot of time to play and explore, time together, and a lot of time for dialogue. It probably won't look like a very busy, busy 
rigorous curriculum that has very strict dates for completion and a lot of work that's then following a strict schedule that's jam-packed with a lot of activities and lessons and classes and other pursuits. Going back to your why helps you maybe if you've chosen an activity or curriculum or schedule that doesn't fit your why of quality time and honest communication and slow living, we can go back and maybe choose a different course. So your why is going to guide your decision-making in so many parts of your homeschooling. So for example, do you want, does your family want to experience nature more? Or maybe there's a child that loves literature and wants to expand on that. Or there's maybe they want to build projects around their interests or have an immense amount of free time to explore what they love. This will guide your choice in learning. Uh, Maybe if there's curriculum that you want in the kind of curriculum that you're looking at, all of those understandings and why should come first before you make those activities, tools, or learning resources. And then as part of your why, I also suggest exploring your ideas and beliefs when it comes to learning. So think about questions like, what was your own experience in school? Did you love school? Did you have a really favorable experience? What were the things that you loved about it? Do you see those similarities with your kids? And could you bring that into your homeschooling environment? What were your wins? And how was that possible for you? What were you grateful for? What are you grateful for when it came to your learning or education and school times? Were there times maybe when you needed support and you didn't feel you were supported or you were not or you weren't satisfied with something? What was that? And how could it have been different? What kind of support do you think would have really enhanced your experience or made you feel um, more confident or satisfied with where you were? Was it the school? Was it the school that could have supported you better? Or was it other factors in your personal or home environment? Some other questions you can think about is, what do you think each person needs in order to learn? What do you need? How do you learn best? What about your kids? What do you see in them? What are you grateful for now in your family? And are there areas that you would like to focus on? So one thing to remember is that we often go straight to the academic skills when we're looking at homeschooling or home educating at home, things like teaching reading, writing, writing essays, math skills and drilling, things like that. And academic and hard skills can be the focus of almost everything, but they are only part of the puzzle. And in fact, sometimes they're actually the much smaller part. There's something like soft skills that are also part of this journey and are a huge part of laying the layers to your family foundation. So many times what happens as well as these soft skills are reflected in your family values. So they could be things like joy, health, connection, communication, openness of mind, the courage and confidence to express oneself, love, relationship mastering skills, emotional development, trust, freedom, curiosity, adventurousness, lifelong love of learning, self-discipline, spiritual development, community, all of those parts of the soft skills are absolutely important. And the fact is, is most likely you'll support your kids at all of those 
things anyways. And that's what you're probably doing without even realizing it at some part, regardless of the educational situation. But sometimes there are, let's say, times and places that are not the optimal place for some of those soft skills. But don't underestimate the power of those soft skills because that's what we need. That's what our kids will need to live a fulfilled, successful, happy life. And I'm, that definition of success, though, I'm going to leave that open for you because I think our definitions of success as well will vary. So I definitely encourage you, reflect on your why. Write about it. Take the time to think about where the why comes from. Are you craving closeness and slow living because the school experience, maybe the changes in the environment lately have actually signaled a change that you had faced in your childhood and you want to better prepare your kids or equip, equip them with facing change and give them a strong structure or strong relationship in order to deal with the changes that are happening in the world? Or maybe you struggled as a child in school and you're seeing similar things happening with your child and they, maybe they're having similar struggles as well. And maybe possibly you felt you have not overcome them and you want to help, you want to overcome them and you want to help your child to overcome them as well. So as well, remember that all of this doesn't come immediately. It comes but it is a process. So these questions you can just think about, you can journal on, you can write or draw, reflect on, but it's a really important part of the process as well. And it's something that you actually can continuously do throughout the years. You know, we have home educated for over eight years now, and it's something that I still go back to. Sometimes I need to go back to it quite a few times throughout the year, even in a month, or maybe a little bit less, but it's always a grounding point for us as well. So you're getting clear on the why, and you're looking at this road trip or maybe this new path on your trip. This doesn't come all at once. It's going to be a continuing process. It's ongoing. So the one thing is also you don't have to figure it out all before you start. Just, it's just part of getting the process going. So the next thing with your home educating is you're, you can look at developing your actions now as you're starting to form your why or understand your why. Developing your actions are the key principles around your how. You know, what are your options that you have? What would you like your homeschooling year to look like or your day to look like in each season of your year? You know, think about, you can start thinking about the different supports that you may need to create this. And one thing I do suggest is instead of doing this all on your own, now's a great time to gather your family and a great time for discussion. And you can explore, discuss, and listen. Explore, discuss, and listen. What are their ideas? What's important to them? What do they want? What do they, what do they see this year looking like? And what do they need to learn? What does their ideal homeschool year look like for them? What are their interests and passions? And when you hear all of this, do any of these things overlap with yours or are they completely different? Are your ideas on one end and theirs on another? Why do you think this is? 
Is there a way that you can maybe meet in the middle or do your expectations vary completely from the rest of the family? Those are good things to note and keep in mind. And hear the feedback, share ideas. You know, this actually may also change your vision and your ideas and expectation, and it may shift a few things for you. So again, your why is important for you, but you know, when you are in this discussion, you might also learn that it may not be as important for others in your family. So is there a common why that your family shares? And if this is the path, then through your research and information gathering and communication with your family, you absolutely can start brainstorming together about maybe what your year will look like, your days, what you would like to do, what you'd like to see and learn. And part of this pro- starting this process may be finding a mentor to help you along the way having a guide to help you sort through and see this. But the other part is sometimes it's right here in your family. And through communication, all of you can really work at seeing this out together. Discussion, listening, what happens is you are learning more about each other. And you're observing too. Observation is a big part, I think, for the parent in the home educating journey. Sometimes it's not as much about creating and doing. Sometimes a lot of it becomes about just taking a step back and observing. Observing what our kids are creating, what they're doing, how they're interacting, and looking at the entire environment and just being mindful of all of that before you make any decisions or take any actions. So as you're ironing out or understanding your why, learning about, you know, your kids and what their ideas and vision is like, your your partner as well, and coming to a better understanding altogether, getting a better understanding of maybe the values in your family that are the layers of the foundation for learning, and you're observing all of this as well, this is also a great time to learn more about your child and maybe their interests. And they'll probably say, you know, I'm really interested. I thought that um, I'm going to give an example here. So I, you know, my friend's brother has this car and it's, it's fantastic. And I've been really interested in cars. And I started learning about this sports car and I want to know how it moves and how it works and, you know, where you can get it from and maybe what country it's made in. So, you know, that might be something to take note of. You know, what there's different things that your child likes to do, and you might observe that already, but you can also ask them, you know, what, what do they like? What are they interested in? What questions have come up? Are there things that they continuously ask about or that they want to share with you? You know, sometimes there's that one child who always likes to talk about that one thing and they ask you about it, want to talk about it. And you might at first dismiss it and think, oh man, we got to talk about this again. But that might be a clue. This might be something, this is something they're obviously focused on. They keep going back to, they're spending their personal time on. That's a great indicator of something that maybe you can help support them in and take them further. And maybe by all of this communication about this particular thing with you, they're ready to take it further. And, you know, sometimes we might not have the ideas, but many times our kids have the ideas and you can ask them, oh, you know, if you we're doing more with this thing, what else would you like to do? Or where where else do you see it taking you? What do you think would be really cool to add to this or maybe to uh, a specific part that you want to learn more about? This also helps as well in recognizing a bit more about the, your child. 
I know some say that everyone has a specific learning style. Others say that it overlaps. But, you know, either way, you probably recognize it in your child. And maybe that's another way that you can look at supporting your child as well. So, for example, maybe they like art or very visual activities, maps or illustrations in books. Do they really watch things and observe people and outside things outside in the world? Or maybe they love to sing and listen to music and they really like to talk. They're a big talker and have conversations and they ask a ton of questions and want to talk things out. They're the kid that at bedtime you can go to sleep, but they want to talk about something for another half an hour at least. Or maybe they love reading and writing and they take notes and they really like their quiet time. Maybe they're the one who will go to their room and when you go to see them in there, they're quietly reading or writing something down or just quietly working on something on their own. Or maybe you have a mover. They love to move, whether it's doing sports or dance or just moving around. It's hands-on. Really, they want to feel and touch, acting things out, very expressive. You know, there's so many, so many ways that you can look at it. There are so many ways that absolutely they can overlap. But those are also clues that, you know, when you're looking for resources, support, I refer curriculum. I I don't use, you know, because we're unschoolers, but I know there are some families where at certain times it works or they, you know, right now that's what works for them. And that's fantastic. And when you're looking for something like that, those are some things that I suggest that you keep in mind as well. And when you keep all of that in mind, when you're observing that, when you're asking, listening, you're taking note of all of that, you can take all of that and start using that to help develop your learning world, your homeschooling world, your home educating world. And it will give you a better idea of what fits as well. And then going back to your why, does this match? You know, this does this match your purpose too? There's a ton of resources and options out there, but this is also a great time where you can kind of take those and depending what kind of learner or think you are, whether you're someone who likes to put everything out on a storyboard or have a journal where you take notes or just think about it or kind of place it, you have like a, you know, a, a diagram model or just walk outside and think about it, depending how you as a person like to think all of that out, it's probably a good time that maybe if you're collecting different options and ideas, you can start breaking that down and kind of funneling that down to what suits and fits with you. So for example, if you, um, does it sound like there's a lot of love of art in your home and creative tools might be a good thing to have on hand. So maybe there is space for a desk that holds paints and canvases and supplies. Maybe it's a couple drawers of craft supplies, um, poster paper. Sometimes it's recycling materials. You know, as much as we want to run out and get a whole bunch of already pre-made things, I think sometimes we find the most, honestly, sometimes my kids will find what they need in a recycle bin, things that you know, it's already there and available. And sometimes we just have like, we actually have a little bin that they can go through at times. And then if we not, we take it out for the recycling. Or maybe it's something like you have a reader and someone who's interested in learning to read and you want to help support them on that. And how are you going to go about it? Are they a reader that is 
you know, there's someone who likes to move a lot and maybe you have both in your family. So, you know, there's things like, for example, the read aloud time and maybe you're reading a book to everyone in the family, but instead of making everyone sit and be quiet, maybe your mover is building Lego while you're reading out loud, or maybe they're building blocks or coloring or drawing a picture while they listen, while your other ones are snuggled up on the couch close to you and are watching the words, or, you know, everyone, whatever is unique to each one, that's how you're creating that learning environment. And if you are someone who's looking for something like curriculum, but maybe not a whole encompassing one, you can also keep that in mind too. So I know I had some questions about early readers or helping their child to read, and they have a child who's really interested in learning to read, which is fantastic, which right there is already, um, they're already, your child is the one motivating that as well. And, you know, for every child, I recognize that it comes at different times. For some, it's a lot later. For some, it's earlier. It's unique to each child. Some, you know, I have friends whose kids did not read until they were 11 or 12 or 10. And then they saw an urgency for themselves. There was a video game that they wanted to read and learn about more, and that was their motivation. So I was speaking with a parent whose child had a friend who was really into this specific story series, but their child wasn't reading it, and they really wanted to share this with their friend. And it was their motivation to learn how to read. And she felt that there would probably be a a learning resource that would best support them. So the biggest suggestion is, is, you know, what does your child need? Are they, and there's so many resources out there. There are ones where they can do a lot of hands-on, whether it's um, feeling and touch and texture, if they're doing letters um, or books like that, creating even out of Play-Doh words and letters, or um, using in recipes if you're baking together and reading the recipes together, uh, and or when you're going to the grocery store, finding the word, you're making chocolate chip cookies, chocolate, and they can see how that is the actual matching what exactly it is. I'm hearing things auditory, uh, listening to stories. For example, Audible has been a great one for us. We have long car rides because of where we live. So putting stories on in the car while we drive. There's many ways that we can also create support in certain environments for learning as well. And as I just mentioned before, so many times we turn to the academic skills first, but I think one thing to remember as well is to also recognize that there might be basic needs that still need to be met. And when I mean basic needs, we it could be something like sleep. Uh, maybe all these years your kids have been extremely busy and now homeschooling has given them a chance to kind of slow down and rest. And maybe sleep is something that is really key for them and they haven't been getting enough of and this is a time for them to sleep. And maybe that's something that you know, they, now they have the space to do that. Uh, Other things might be movement, time outside. Maybe they've been so busy and, and the fresh air is so good for them, movement out in nature and having space to do that and explore and be outside is absolutely paramount for them. Or maybe it's something else like food or nourishment. And another, you know, a basic need that I also see as well is connection. Sometimes it is, uh, you know, more time to just Take the time to be present and hug your child and let them know that you're there, that feeling of safety and security as well. So as we go back to the feeling of overwhelm, 
I also want to recognize that, you know, I was saying it's good to go back and understand your why, continuously work through that process, really communicate, discuss, observe, and listen, understand where everyone is coming from, and then maybe you just you need to turn back a little bit, go backwards and go back onto the road that you were on, on that road trip, and start again. Or maybe it needs to be some adjustment, there's something that's not working that you want to take out. Uh, and that you need instead. The pause can be a, a really important space. And sometimes it's just we need time to slow down, to, to pause, to take a breath before we begin again. And, you know, that's important for us. You know, it, it, this as much as homeschooling or home education seems like a lot more people are doing it, it's still a little bit off the beaten path. And when we are forging a path that is different from many others, this kind of work can actually be a little bit disruptive. And really when it's disruptive work, it's also really important to recognize that disruptive work is not always easy. And sometimes it means that you're changing things. And for human beings, sometimes change is not the easiest process. It can be a disruptive process. So it's really important as well to take space for ourselves and to create a self-care plan. Because when you have, you're part of a disruptive change or process, you're going to get a little bit of feedback or conflict and it's not always easy sailing. So it is important to take that space for self-care. And let me just add, when we are taking that space for self-care, what we're also doing is modeling that for our children. So they see because the biggest thing is in our actions, not necessarily in our words. They see that it is an important priority for us, and that is reflected on them as well. We are we feel better, we are more present, we feel stronger, and therefore we're better able to support them. And in that way, they see where it's important for them as well to recognize that taking care of, the, of themselves is an important responsibility for health and happiness in the long term, as well as for the relationships around them. And that, I think, is really the core of homeschooling or unschooling. Okay, so we're continuing on our road trip. We maybe took a wrong turn. We've reached a dead end. We recognize that we need to go back. We have to relook at our map, possibly, see where we're going, get on the right road, and maybe remember that we veered off because we decided we wanted to go to the mall, maybe, and then realize, wait a minute, this isn't a shopping road trip. This is a wilderness road trip. So we remembered, okay, our why, this is what we're here for. We're, we're, we're here to be out in nature and in the wilderness. Maybe we had to go back home to restart again. Maybe we forgot a few things. And to restart on this journey, we had to pick up our hiking boots and our rain jacket because maybe we see up ahead it's going to be raining. So it's really sometimes going back to restart again when we feel that overwhelm, when we've reached that dead end, when, when we're not sure what to do, refresh in that process of going back, rediscovering, re-exploring, and seeing and, and communicating again, understanding our why and purpose. Okay, so now we're going to the question, which again is part of this overlap as well, is if I'm looking into following my children's interests and passions, how do I do that? Whether, you know, if I'm going to have a small curriculum, if we're just going to completely create things on our own, 
how do I even find the resources that will match them and how do I support that and then understand that they're actually learning something? So first is understanding what your children's interests and passions are. You know, maybe one of your kids has this huge ongoing interest. It's a really big focus and that's something that can be explored. Maybe another has just a few that they're interested in, but nothing really big. Or maybe some don't seem to have an interest at all or what you don't think they have an interest in at all. So it's definitely important to be part of an ongoing conversation with your kids regularly throughout the year uh, as, as at any time. Listen and hear. And again, observation and listening is a big part of this. You know, maybe they're not saying directly to you what they're interested in, but they've been talking actually about it the whole time. What are they talking about? What do you hear them talking about with their friends? That's really interesting. Or at the dinner table, something that they just always seem to bring up. What can't they stop talking about? You know, what are they interested in? Uh, You know, it might be something that we might not be interested in and maybe that's why we haven't picked it up in picked it up yet but it's something that they are so it might be video games maybe it's Fortnite and now you realize that wow you say oh my kid just talks about video games all the time maybe that's their interest or there's a specific video game that has fascinated them or that you see them playing and engaged in all the time their friends come over and that's what they play Or you can ask them as well what they're interested in doing and they might say this might be a great chance they haven't had to tell you yet. What do they think is really cool or interesting right now or what's happening around them? If they could do or learn anything, what would it be? And these are all things you can take note of and let them know that you're taking an interest in it too as well. Not a, you know, mom's going to get in and her dad's going to get in and override this whole situation and make them do things and therefore not make it interesting anymore or making it seem like busy work. And so therefore they lose interest in a lot of it or try and not tell you about it, just that you're supporting them. And so sometimes maybe that means it's just a nod and it's really listening to them when they explore and talk about the details. And, and that's maybe something that they need. And then from there, they know they have someone to communicate to and talk to more about it and maybe get ideas and a bit of feedback off from it. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I do is I just have a journal and I jot down notes. So there are questions that come up or questions that come up regularly from my kids or things that they're interested in. I keep a note of it. Sometimes just on my phone, I keep a note as well, an ongoing note and ideas, websites that they're interested in. Um, and, you know, little odd things like that, that I, that I know, and I can just keep, keep a record of that. And this way, when I keep a continued record of their interests and passions, I can go back to reference it. I have a friend who uses Evernote. She loves it. Google Docs is another one that I use as well. Whatever works for you, I have an ongoing, every year, I have an ongoing Google Docs uh, page for each of my kids. And I keep a note of what they're learning and want to pursue. And it's also interesting, I just want to make a note of this, to go back over the years and see what it is because sometimes something will come up and it might seem random and it actually isn't. You go back and you see, oh wow, this is something they had actually mentioned three years ago and now it's come up again or it's been mentioned a few years ago and it's somehow tied in to a completely different interest and 
you might not have noticed it if you hadn't gone back. And so, you know, I have mentioned this before, and it's this whole spider web of learning the connection, right? How these sometimes just spread out, but in the end, you see the connection. And maybe sometimes you go outside and you see a spider web, and you don't see all of it right away until the light shines, and then you see, wow, it's a lot bigger than I thought it was. And all of these connections that start out from the middle and go outwards and connect all together. So, so their interests and passions are what guiding is guiding their learning. And having this continuous record as well for you to keep and, and to know can be as much for you as a home educating parent as it is for them. And it's really, it's your guide. It's the guide that can help you in supporting their interests and passions. And it gives an ongoing reference and reminder as well for those days when sometimes you think, oh, are they learning anything? You know, what are they doing? It doesn't look like schoolwork. So I'm, I'm worried that it's actual, not actual learning. But then when you go back and you read your notes or your reference, you see how it has built on their learning. And that's the interesting thing, especially with learning, you know, even in school, but also especially home educating and unschooling, it's not necessarily linear. It, It looks, there's bumps and there's changes and there's deviations, and then it comes back to the path. It can be, again, those peaks and those valleys happens in the learning as well. And sometimes it just takes a bit of that observation and eye to see that maybe they just needed time to rest before the idea started flowing again. They needed that downtime. Or you know maybe it was a connection that started back further back. And then now because of maybe some downtime or doing something else, it has come back again and reconnected. So what kind of resources would support them in following their interests and passions? So maybe you have a reference, you have a list, you have a journal of what they're doing, and now you're looking to supporting them and finding resources as tools that might help them. The first thing I suggest is to ask your kids you know, would they like to explore this more? Would there be things that if they could have more time to do this and explore this passion, what would it look like? Um, they have better ideas than we do, honestly. And, you know, the other thing is, is they might have an idea or a direction that's very different from what we have in our head. And if we come in and try and just put all of this of our ideas and expectations on them, Maybe they might follow it, but we won't see it blossom as much as if it was their ideas and they're guiding their learning. So maybe they say, well, yes, they would like to continue and pursue it and have it turn into this and into a certain thing. Maybe they're really into music and it turns out that they want to start a YouTube channel or they want to learn an instrument or they just want to do some songwriting, for example. How are you going to support them? And they are asking for you to provide, helps provide some supports or tools or resources. So, you know, the other thing I suggest is if you are helping them create this, be imaginative. And this list could include anything from YouTube to mentors in the community, 
books to time out in nature, you know, do they love the outdoors? Is it nature walks and hikes, nature journaling, or activities that they can just take outside? Maybe they love to read, but maybe it's something like spending a day building a fort and then making it super cozy, getting cushions and blankets and building like a really cool reading nook outside or having lunch outside or poetry tea time if you're doing something like that outside, changing the environment. Uh, there's games that can be included within. You can explore your natural community, a, na- a nature science center, or watching movies and documentaries that capture the natural world if outside in the natural world is something that they're looking at. Or maybe they gravitate towards music. What about access to musical instruments, speakers, great song playlists, music class- classes, or exposures to different genres, exposing them to songwriting, composing? concerts and performance or live production. There's many avenues, actually. Um, There's classes, you know, during this time now, so many things are online. There's things like master classes. There are free live concerts. Uh, Maybe there is, you know, a service like iTunes or Spotify where they can listen to music or they can produce their own through something like GarageBand um, where they can learn their creative side as well there. And you may not be the expert on that or on the app or on something else that they're doing, but sometimes just giving them the time to play with it is enough. Or sometimes finding a mentor or someone in the family who knows a little bit about it, they can come and help them and give them some support. Uh, Or maybe it's, you know, they have some ideas of what they want to do with it. There are so many different avenues that you can look at as well. You can also look at it by breaking it down into different domains. And what I can do is I can include this link in the show notes. I'll definitely give it to add it onto my Patreon community as well. And it's different domains that you can look at if you're exploring resources. So again, like I had mentioned, things like basic needs. Maybe, you know, that is the first foundation to look at to support them in. Uh, Sleep, food, uh, safety. There's maybe there's services that are provided within your community that you can look at, uh, whether it's uh, mentors or teachers, music lessons, swimming, the pool, um, hiking, or there's maybe there's other classes, a fine arts center, things like that, or maybe just time out into the park, more space to explore like that. Culture is one area or domain that you can look at as well. Maybe it's something for your personal culture and history, exploring more and finding out more about, or maybe it's something in your area and community or world that you can also access, Um, and giving the space and time to meet with others and friends as well. Environment, being out in your natural world and natural landscape or exploring exploring other parts of nature and the landscape around you or a little bit farther. Uh, social connections as well. Uh, again, friends, mentors, community, volunteering. Uh, sometimes there is many different as- aspects of this that come into play. Uh, health and well-being and, and maybe things like volunteering or working as well. So to give you an example, um, what I usually do with my kids is I have 
uh, my page with their interests and curiosities and questions. And then when we are looking to brainstorm ideas and supports, I honestly just brainstorm and list down, list as many things as I can that come up. And then, you know, usually I first I ask them because they have the best ideas. Then I just brainstorm. And then I can also ask others what they have done, maybe what they have seen. By now, a lot of people usually send me some information, say, oh, I know that you, you know, your kids might be interested in this, or I heard about this. I wanted to send this information to you. Many times that communication line gets established and you get an inflow of a lot of information as well. Uh, and when you unschool, there is something that a term that you might hear called strewing, where it just means like putting things about and things that may spark interest. It could be books that you bring home from the library. It could be um, it could be things out that you've collected outside and that you've just put out on the table. It could be supplies for building or art. You know, it can look very different. It could be a collection of all of those. It could be electric circuits and uh, things for, for building, gears and Lego. It, it can look different. It could be the same thing, but presented in a different way. Those are some other ways for getting ideas and building interest. But again, I go back to communicating with your kids, getting their ideas and support on that as well. If you do want to see an example, if you go to my Instagram page and my highlights on Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, and I do run through an example of when we were planning for this year and how we kind of slowly bring it together, what we do as a family, and then how it branches off to each of my kids too. So once they're creating and they're playing or we've given these resources and maybe some they have taken, some they haven't, and that's another thing to recognize that some things might just really stick and work with them and some things they might not even take a second look at. And that's completely fine. That's great actually because then they're narrowing down and understanding what their focus is. Or maybe they just want to try a little bit of everything and that's wonderful too. Maybe they just need a bit of the time to do that and to explore. But it's good to to pay attention, to observe. Remember, that's a continuous process, or I should say that's part of the continuous process. That's part of that road trip that we're still going on and we're still traveling on. And, you know, notice what's happening. Look, you know, try and understand from different perspectives as well. And you might see some things that you might need an adjustment on. Maybe there's a restart on certain things. Maybe things are working really well and you want to add more things into it. Or maybe just keep things simple and take away the overwhelm. Now, the one thing I I gave the example of maybe your child really loves video games and you're just not really into them. And that's the main thing that they're focused on. And you're thinking like, how am I going to get them to learn anything if that's what they want to focus on? Well, my suggestion is part of it is taking time to hear, ask them, you know, what do you love about this video game? How does it interest you? How does it challenge you? What about it? What's unique about it that's different from other games? And then take the time to sit down and play with them and maybe a regular time where you can continue to play with them. Sometimes it's just showing that you're interested in what they're interested in and that's a spark that's needed Uh, or maybe that's just the recognition that's needed. Sometimes it's understanding where they're coming from. Uh, you know, I've, I've said this example before, but I know like Fortnite, you know, my kids like to, especially my son likes to play Fortnite. 
And I'm fine with it. I think it's a really fun game. And I remember the time when I sat down and tried to play with them. It was really hard. And I know after trying just to play that game, I could barely get down to that first level to do anything. You know, it's gotten a little bit better as as I play a little bit more. But it gave me a new appreciation of the game, the gaming industry and how far it's come and how they're able to do that, how they're able to play and play well while hanging out with their friends who are also playing or talking to their friends on a team that are also playing. And just the dynamics of, you know, I remember when I was a kid, (laughs) video games were just kind of like two-dimensional. My characters could go backwards or forwards and jump up and down. And now it's a 360-degree view or angle of things. And just trying to understand that, that I can see everything around, below, above me in a video game, that in itself was a whole learning curve to get. And I know I'm sure some of you gamers that are listening to this might be laughing, but you know, that's where I'm at and that's where I was at. And it gave me a new appreciation for the games that my kids play as well. And it gave me a good understanding, okay, of, you know, of, of why they really like it and what's interesting to them. So, you know, and it also might be a thing that they're playing and it's not at, you know, there's nothing else additional you can add to it, but it's just something that you can enjoy together. And the cool thing is, is it what it has done is creates, helps to add and enhance the conversation. So I also understand when they're playing or talking to a friend, it's a conversation I can also understand and be supportive in or um, understanding in as well, if that makes sense. I have to say I haven't really played Minecraft, but that is absolutely a popular one here in our house. My kids really enjoy playing it, and I've definitely, you know, the way it's laid out and their understanding of making worlds and what's needed and logical thinking and sequence and steps, those are things that I see being applied in the gaming world when they game. they still both love Minecraft. It's something they enjoy playing together as well. And I see how they talk about it and think about it and plan and discuss together. And I think that is an aspect of gaming that is really important and that does apply to many things in our world. A reference I'll give you right now is a TED Talk called Gamification. The TED Talk is by Jane McGonigal, and she has a book as well. The title is Gaming Can Make a Better World, and that's definitely one that you can add to the list that I suggest that you watch. Okay, so I've been talking for a bit, and I want to also explore another question that comes up around the resources and supporting our kids. I think maybe I will give an example of how we build the resources, and I can talk about how I understand that learning is coming from it. Uh, So I talked a little bit about gaming, and I know another part of that is many parents say that their kids have gotten into things like coding, it has helped with math and different skills like that, and absolutely I agree with that. Um, And I think maybe I'll use the example of my daughter and how this year we've built out more learning from something, and this probably looks a little bit more academic, but there are other ways and things that you can do too. She has loved the musical Hamilton and has followed in love with it. And it's fantastic. And it's something actually that really reflects her interests. She is really, she loves singing uh, and she loves music. She has 
written songs and sometimes she'll go through a spurt where she writes a lot of songs and then she doesn't for months. She sings all the time, all around the house. She's got a beautiful voice. She has done voice lessons and she has taken some uh, guitar lessons. She plays a guitar. It's interesting. She doesn't play the guitar around the house as much as my son, but she still loves her guitar and loves playing guitar. So Hamilton, it was right up her alley. She's done musical. She's been in a musical production as well. And she loved it. The music, the song, the dance, the story. So it's something that she watched many times. Her and another friend watch it together. They love it. This was an interest. This was something that she was really absorbed and focused in for the beginning in this fall, the beginning of this year, the school year. And it was something that I saw that really we could build our home learning around. Uh, Here where I live, we do have to put in a home learning plan every year for each of our children. So that's a requirement where we live. I I am able to do that as an unschooler. and, And I do that by taking my children's interests and showing how I will support those interests. The great thing about the home learning plan here where I live is that it is a fluid. We're not stuck to having to complete everything on our our home learning plan, it can change and then adjust and we can take things out, we can add things in. So I asked her, you know, what else, but is there anything else she's interested in? And she would tell me a few things that her friend had told her and learned about the characters or what happened in the play that actually happened or what didn't. And so what I did is I just actually went and I resourced as much as I went to our library and ordered in as many books around Hamilton as I could. Because of these times, it's very slow coming, but I would bring them home and some caught her interest, some didn't. There was history books around that time period. Some she weren't, she wasn't really interested in. We tried the Who Was series like, and that what didn't really catch her attention. What did was I found this book that really was had beautiful photos of the musical and it told the background of each of the songs and that was so interesting to her. We found some some classes on out school and she tried a different ones until she found what she wanted. There was one singing one uh, that she liked but it didn't really catch her attention as this one history lesson. It ended up this history lesson that she has been taking weekly and she loves and it explores each character and historical references and the true stories behind them. So that is one that has been fantastic for her. Continuing with singing, we've looked into, because of our time now, there is no um, musical productions happening that we can see or that she can be part of, but we're just keeping our eye open, and we decided that when things open up again, we will revisit going to see another musical, and hopefully, maybe there will be Hamilton playing near us sometime that we will definitely watch out for tickets for. The cool thing is that we listen to the soundtrack all the time. She's always singing singing the soundtrack. We're talking about it. We watch it together and, you know, dance moves, you know, things like that as well. But the history part of it is what is what has really come alive for her. And she really likes to talk about the characters and maybe how things could have gone differently for them or what it was really like, what was portrayed in the musical, but how different it really was in real life. Uh, Thomas Jefferson has been an interesting one. The per- David Diggs who plays it in the musical is, you know, he plays it so well and very different from what she's been learning about 
Thomas Jefferson in his time. Uh, and, you know, so many other stories and conversations have stemmed from that. So, you know, what I take from that and, and when I see see what she's doing, I, I don't offer tests or assessment. I know that was one of the questions is, do I give my kids tests to see where they're learning? We don't. We've actually opted out of all testing. Uh, and so they haven't had tests. You know, it's not that they've never seen a test because they do come up in certain things that maybe they do. Uh, not that I give them, but maybe they've, you know, they're online and they're doing something that, you know, then there's a little quiz at the end or something like that. But I know what she's understanding and learning because we talk so much about it. And I know by the things that she tells me and teaches me because, you know, there's many things that I, she lets me know that she's learned and found out that I have not, like I'm learning, I'm Canadian, so I'm learning about American history now in that time period. I've never learned so much about it as I have and right now with my daughter. So those are ways that I know that she can uh, tell me something that she's learned that's caught her interest. She can tell me what has changed in the play and what she catches and says, oh, well, I learned that. That actually wasn't true or this didn't really work because of this. The way that she is able to explain and articulate it is the assessment. And actually in our home learning plan, that is what I put when they ask how will we know or the assessment. The biggest part of the learning is through conversation. And when my kids are able to tell me about something, uh, talk about it, ask questions, articulate it in a story even, I know that they're understanding and grasping it, or when they're able to do something. Uh, So, you know, for example, my son is very much into the outdoors, fishing and hunting. He watches shows on hunting and fishing. He listens to podcasts. He gets books on all of that, and then he goes out and does it, and he becomes more and more independent every year. And I know it's not just, for example, say, you know, he he can take the knowledge and he's practically applied it. Our freezer right now is full with with food um, from him. He has, you know, he also gets cookbooks and he's able to cook as well, you know, what he brings home. And I know that knowledge is then being applied and practiced. I don't have to test him. I see it. We talk about it. And right there, it's easier as well because we're not in a big classroom. So we are able to engage in constant dialogue of what they're understanding. And again, for every family, this looks different, but this is the biggest way that I see that it's understood and applied, and it's really meaningful. I could test and say, I'm going to give you a test on this, but what I find is, you know, I think what would happen would be they would learn it for the test, but not necessarily to learn it for the understanding and to have the meaning and to make it meaningful and to really understand it and apply it. And again, not saying that they have never done a test. For example, my son did his hunter's education certification. That was a class he had to take with an exam that you had to get a minimum of 80% or higher in order to pass. He was able to do that. Uh, Again, it's information that's relevant and meaningful to him. My daughter had to get her food safety certification in order to run her business. She has a, a baking business and she sells baked goods at the farmer's market. She had to take a test do a class and then take a test with a certain percentage in order to get that certification. Maybe it wasn't totally interesting, but it was relevant and she had to use it and it was applicable for what she was doing. 
So I hope that rounds it out and makes sense. I do, on the other hand, know some families that, you know, I know moms that do like to, you know, create exams or tests for their kids. Um, I don't do so, but really, again, what works for you and, and as long as they understand and are able to grasp and apply that knowledge, I think that's what is most important and what really leads to the lifelong learning. So one of the last questions is how do we apply this to different age groups, uh, to younger ones or to teenagers? Uh, really, again, you can use the same applications, really communicate with, with your kids, ask them what they would want to explore, what do they want to do more of, what are they curious about, what are they asking questions for those that are young, that are toddlers and teenagers. Obviously, the conversations are going to be a little bit different depending on the age groups. I do recommend a lot of time and space for play and creative time. Uh, Deep Work, there's a great book called Deep Work by Cal Newport, and it's geared for adults, but I really think it applies to everyone. The importance of when you're creating something, when you're creating something of depth and meaning, you need to have that space and time to really just have quiet, to reflect, to not be um, distracted by other things in order to really get into that creative process. And I think that's important for everyone. For kids, it might look a little bit different. And I think a lot of times what happens, it's that unstructured playtime that's very important for them. That's that space for them. I recommend uh, Peter Gray. I'm going to reference that book, Free to Learn. I have interviewed Peter Gray. You can find his interview on my podcast. uh, And I'll reference his book in the show notes as well. Uh, That is one to check out when he really talks about the importance and power of play in our learning. The younger the child, you know, they really need a lot more time to play, if not all the time to play. Tools I recommend, um, really you can add that as part of the environment. I don't think that we need to fill our home with a lot of toys. Many times I think giving that space and um, simplicity really helps in that creative space and development for our kids. Uh, And sometimes it's things that are simple that they love the most. We had a little cousin visiting us and she was very young and, you know, we don't have really any small, very young toys around. My kids are 11 and 14, but really what she loved is we still keep a lot of young books on our bookshelf and just sitting with us and us reading out loud to her. She loved that. Uh, We have, we actually do use tangrams. So I have a whole box of shapes and um, geometric shapes that we still use actually in our learning. My kids love to take out and just put them together for shapes and puzzles and different things that we use it for. But we brought those out for her. And what she loved doing was we gave her jars and she just loved sorting them and putting them in and out of things. And she did that for hours. Sometimes the simplicity of that is the biggest part of the learning. Um, And, you know, those are things that I would recommend having different, you know, shapes and jars or building blocks, things like that, a paper crayons, pencils, and a big part of that is actually us being part of that too, especially as they're younger, taking part in painting rocks, throwing rocks in the river, going outside and exploring, uh, taking pictures and having them take pictures too, being part of that whole process, learning beside them, I think is the biggest support and tool in that 
reading out loud to them and creating a very comfortable environment around reading and enjoying that, making it about snuggle time on the couch or snacks that you create together while you sit and read or doing it outside like a picnic and enjoying what comes up or bringing books that relate to the outside and having that on on that part of the journey. The kitchen is a huge place of learning for us as well. We cook a lot. We bake. My kids are independent in the kitchen now, but that is also because from a very young age, they've been by our side, chopping vegetables with us, stirring things in the pot, putting things together. They've done that from the toddler years, from the very, very young toddler years, so they know they're an active part of that, and that has been a huge part of the learning process, and to the point where they see what they can create in the kitchen it's become an art form and to and then they now go and and they can do that for themselves they can create for others i know uh, usually there's usually a note that comes in asking for a birthday cake request if a family birthday is coming up from extended family they put it into our kids because they love their birthday cake Um, You know, there's so many things that now it's also become part of community and giving back, creating for the family. Uh, My daughter's built a business around the baking that she has learned to do, and she has her brownie business where she sells brownies at the farmer's market. Again, that's something that when they were very young, we started out supporting them in. They were really young, and they helped us in the kitchen, and they loved it. And now it has extended into so many other parts of their learning. So really what I'm saying is before... Before we go out and buy all these extra additions to our home and to our learning, sometimes the best learning tools are already right there. And instead of looking outside, we can look inside our home. And the things that we do every day, you know, we learn every day, all of that is part of the learning process. We can create that and just add that into our home learning environment. Things that are already in place, books that we already have on our shelf, the library card and that community there that we can visit and use and the library books we can bring into our home. The the tools in the kitchen and what we can create in the kitchen, learning about grocery shopping and what we need to create those things in the kitchen, the living room instruments that are there and accessible, um, all of those different parts outside in the backyard yard, the pets that we have and caring and learning about them. So many times it's already right there in our home to enjoy and to learn from and be part of. So I am going to say thank you. I know there's so much more to expand on that I can. Um, If you want something specific that you would like me to go into more detail on, please email me and let me know. But to end, I want to say thank you for coming on this road trip today with me. You know, on this road trip, as we're going along, maybe we kind of went off in a different path. We took a wrong turn. We've gone back, but now we've possibly reached our one destination that we wanted to visit on this road trip, and maybe we're on our way back, and we decided that we want to revisit, go on the same road that we came down on because there was something that we loved that we wanted to go back to see and revisit and take a little bit more time at, or maybe we're going to take a completely different route home, and that's what we do. It's part of the ending, the closure of it, that we want to see a few different things, and we've heard some other things along the way that we want 
want to see for ourselves and experience. And then we end up home. And maybe the home is a regrouping and a time to resettle. And then we can think about our road trip again. And that next road trip that we're all on, depending how old our kid's on or what we're doing, it could be a different destination. It can be a continuation of the same. It can be longer or shorter. It's really up to us and what what, what trip we want to go on and how it each one of us is preparing for it. So thanks for tuning in. I'm looking forward to hearing all of you. And again, again, I'll put all of those references in the show notes as well. And there's a few other things. Just go to my social media, Instagram or Facebook, especially Instagram to see any of the links or my highlights to see some of the things that we've created this year. I also have a lot of our journey, our unschooling journey on my personal page, Unschooling Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. So if you want to see what our home looks like and what we're creating there in our days and what they look like, you can find us there as well. Thank you.